It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Welcome to Discover Your Spiritual Identity. This is going to be an amazing program, an eye-opening revelation. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, all born-again, blood-washed believers in the New Covenant are referred to as a holy priesthood. Now, let me read the foundational scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It's talking about Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And it says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, the first amazing thing about these two verses is how it narrows God's focus. In the Old Testament, Israelites who wanted to come to God would bring a sacrifice to the priest at the temple, or prior to that, at the tabernacle. But in the New Testament, you become the sacrifice, you become the temple, and you become the priest. So in a sense, not an egotistical sense, but a spiritual sense, it was all about you. It was all about you and every other person in covenant with God. God's desire, God's longing was not for you to be held back from intimacy with him, but to be drawn to his bosom in a priestly kind of ministry to the Most High God. Now, what does the word priest mean? In the original Hebrew, the word is Kohen, K-O-H-E-N, and it means basically one who draws near. Let me say that again, one who draws near, or someone who pursues God, that goes after God, that desires intimacy with God. And the plural form of that word is Kohenim in the Hebrew language. Now, if I were to define what a priest is, the dictionary definition would be this. A priest is one who is duly authorized to minister in sacred things, particularly to offer sacrifices at an altar, and one who acts as a mediator between men and God. Now, I was raised Roman Catholic And I deeply appreciate the godly and humble and kind nuns and priests that I became acquainted with all the years I was an altar boy and functioning in that particular denomination. But I have to differ with Catholic doctrine now. They made the priesthood very exclusive. It was a select group of people who were authorized to minister at an altar. And now I comprehend very clearly through the scripture that we are all, and when I say we, I'm referring to all born-again believers, 
we are all called to the priesthood. In the Old Testament, the priests functioned in three primary roles. They were ministers, messengers, and mediators. They were ministers first to God and then to people, because when God told Moses to anoint Aaron and his sons to commission them in the priesthood, listen to what God said. He said, anoint Aaron and his sons to minister unto me, God said, in the priesthood. And so your first and foremost role as a priest is to minister to God, to fill God's longing for intimacy with the offspring of Adam. God doesn't like this separation between heaven and earth any more than we do. And God desires certain individuals to have that passion to fill the role of priests who minister to him in praise and worship and adoration, but most importantly, in love, because God desires to be loved by us just like we desire to be loved by him. And when you boil it down to its most elemental essence, the priesthood is all about loving God intensely and seeking God intimately. If you have that kind of ministry toward God, out of that automatically is going to flow ministry to other people. And it's got to be in that order. God said, anoint Aaron and his sons to minister unto me in the priest's office. And if their ministry to God was correct and sincere and pure, then it was powerful when it was extended to other people. That's fundamental. That's first and foremost for every one of us. Then out of that calling to be ministers flows the calling to be messengers. And if we are messengers of God, we are close enough to God to feel the heartbeat of God, to sense the mind of God in certain matters and communicate them to others. And then we fill the role of mediators. Now, I'm very careful about this particular description because the Bible clearly says there is one mediator between God and men, and that's the man Jesus Christ. We were taught in Catholicism to be forgiven. You had to go to the confessional and confess your sins to the priest who would be, in a sense, your mediator that would bring absolution to you and forgiveness for your sins. But all of that was unnecessary. You and I can go direct to God. But when we reach out to those who are not saved, who are not born again, who are not walking in the light in this world, in a sense, in a subordinate sense, in a representative sense, we become their connection. As Jesus's representatives, we mediate for him. We bring to them the message of reconciliation, and then we take them to the one who is truly the only mediator, the great high priest, who has a family of offspring who fill a priestly role that mediate for him to bring people to him so that he can be the one mediator between God and man to bring salvation to them and to bring deliverance to them. So priests, once again, let me emphasize, are ministers, messengers, and mediators. But what happened in the Old Testament was all just a foreshadowing 
of what would come in the New Testament, a shadow of good things to come. Remember that as we proceed. There was a time in the history of humanity when every man was his own priest. And that goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. We have the description in Genesis where Cain and Abel both brought a sacrifice to God. They were filling the role of a priest. And Cain brought the fruit of the ground, but Abel brought a lamb and offered it to God. And of course, you know the story in the scripture in Hebrews 11, most likely, how that by faith, Abel offered unto God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, by the which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaks. Now, that's a powerful scripture in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11. So, God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's sacrifice. So in the role of a priest, you are to bring spiritual sacrifices to God in the New Testament that must be acceptable. And if your sacrifice is acceptable, it will attract a witness from heaven of supernaturally outpoured favor or manifestations of God's presence and God's word in your life. That's what God wants. He wants you as a priest to be a connecting link between two worlds, between heaven and earth, between eternity and time. And if you approach him with the right heart, with the right attitude, with the right kind of priestly calling being fulfilled in your life, then you too, like Abel, will obtain witness that you're righteous and God will testify of your gifts. Now, what did God do with Abel? We don't really know. We're not really told. But it was something so apparent that Cain was enraged that it happened for Abel, but not for him. I tend to believe, according to a pattern later on established in Scripture, that possibly literal fire fell on Abel's sacrifice, showing God's approval. And I believe if you function in the role of a priest, and if your sacrifice is acceptable to God, the fire of God will fall from heaven on your life. For our God is a consuming fire, the Bible says. In other words, a presence of God that will consume you mentally and emotionally and spiritually in a good way, in a wonderful way. It will consume every part of your life so that you are just absorbed into your purpose, your calling, your connection with God, and you become a very important means of God expressing himself in this world. True priests who minister to God with acceptable praise attract the fire of heaven. Now, there are others that you can find in Genesis, especially who functioned in the role of a priest, who filled the role of being their own priest. For instance, Job constantly offered up sacrifices at an altar, not only for himself, but for his wife and for his children. And the Bible talks about how he was concerned that maybe his children they had certain corruptive things in their hearts where he would intercede in their behalf and he would function in the role of a priest of his family. And I believe anyone who is walking with God and yet your spouse is not, be it a husband or a wife, and maybe your children are not, you are the priest of that family and you need to offer up 
spiritual sacrifices to God in their behalf, just like Job did every single day. And then Noah functioned as a priest. And there's something very significant about Noah. See, after the flood waters abated and they exited from the ark, in Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 through 22, it said, Noah built an altar because a priest is one who always ministers at an altar. Remember that. And an altar has a dual meaning. An altar is a place of elevation, and an altar is a place of sacrifice. And an altar is that connecting place between you and God. And it's invisible and internal and intangible now. It's not a physical altar like they approach God at in the Old Testament, but a spiritual one. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, we have an altar whereof they have no right to minister who serve in the tabernacle. In other words, our altar is Golgotha, where the sacrifice of the Lamb of God took place. And we come to that altar for ourselves and for others. So this altar concept is very important, and maybe we'll cover it in a future program. I hope we do. But anyway, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. That's why there were two of every unclean animal and seven of every clean animal in the ark. It wasn't two by two like you learned in Sunday school. It was two of every unclean animal and seven of every clean animal. So there were three couples male and female, and then there was one that was saved from the flood only to be sacrificed for the rest. That's a good picture of the ministry. When you're really given wholly to the ministry, you're saved in order to be sacrificed for the rest, not in a morbid way or a terrible way, but a good way and a joyous way. In fact, Paul said, if I be poured out as a sacrifice on the service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. So it's a good thing. But listen to what happened. When Noah offered burnt offerings on the altar, he was functioning as a priest. And a burnt offering represents a prayerful desire on the part of the offerer to be consumed with fire, just like that burnt offering is reduced to ashes. The person offering a burnt offering was making a prayerful symbolic statement, Oh God, let me be reduced to ashes. Let my ego be reduced to ashes. Let me be completely devoted to you. And the Bible said the Lord smelled a soothing aroma, a sweet-smelling savor, it says in the King James. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. So at that point, the harvest cycle was installed. And I believe a curse lifted from the entire world because up until that time, the curse that was pronounced over Adam was enforced. And that was the curse declared by God to Adam. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth to you. And all of that is highly symbolic. But still, I believe it was very difficult to have any kind of fruitful crop because the ground was constantly bringing forth 
destructive plants like thorns and thistles. But when Noah filled the role of a priest, it lifted a curse from the entire world. Now, if that's true with respect to Noah, then what about if you fulfill the role of a priest in your family? Could you not lift curses from your loved ones? I believe you can. I was the first person to be born again in my family and become outspoken about it. I had an uncle that I believe was born again, but he never shared it. And I began seeking God and interceding and in a sense, building an altar in my heart of hearts that I would go to often, daily, usually, and I would seek God in the behalf of my mother, who was one of my first converts, and my father, who came to the Lord 12 years later, my brother and my sisters, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, many of them, in fact, the majority of my family came to know the Lord as well. And certainly, curses that would result from walking in darkness and walking in a sinful lifestyle were lifted from some of their lives. That's the role and that's the power of the role that we fill as priests of the Most High God. It's a role of intercession. It's a role that can bring blessing where there was a curse and freedom where there was bondage. Thank God we need to fill this role. I told you that the meaning of the word priest in the original Hebrew, Kohen, K-O-H-E-N, is one who draws near to God. And I have a number of scriptures that use that very phrase. For instance, Hebrews 7.19 says, the law made nothing perfect, and that's a reference to the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The law made nothing perfect. Why? Because it was an external demand. It was 613 commandments, and it was demanded of Israelites that they live up to those codes of moral behavior, ceremonial behavior, religious behavior. But it didn't make them perfect because it didn't change them on the inside, even if they conformed on the outside. The law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, the bringing in of a better hope did, through which we draw near to God. The better hope is the new covenant, the opportunity of being born again. And through the born again experience, we fill the role of priests. We draw near to God. And then Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21 and 22 says, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And so Jesus is the high priest over the house of God, and we are subordinate priests serving under him. So let us draw near. We have a right to come to the throne of grace boldly. Let's do it. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. If you draw near to God in priestly service, you're going to attract the great high priest's attention, and you're going to attract a response from the Father of all creation. Then finally, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39 says, we are not of them who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. 
So we are not of those who draw back. We are not of those that pull back from intimacy with God if we're really comprehending the depth of what we are called to as Christians. We're not going to pull back from commitment. We're not going to pull back from dedication. We're not going to pull back from our calling to reflect the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. If he was the great high priest, then we are called to be subordinate priests, a holy priesthood. And that word holy means sanctified, separated unto God, cleansed from the defilement of sin, and made righteous in the sight of heaven. If you are a part of a holy priesthood, you need to survey your life. And if there's anything unholy anywhere, purge your life of it so that you can effectively fill this role. Now, there's so much more that needs to be said about the priesthood. And we're going to continue with this in next week's podcast. I'm going to show you how God's original desire was for all of Israel to be priests but then how it was narrowed down to just one tribe, and then thankfully how through the new covenant it expanded once again to include all of God's people. But there's some very amazing and interesting, intriguing details about how all of that happened. So join me on the next podcast of Discovering Your Spiritual Identity for a continuation of what it is to be a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, priests of the Lord, according to Isaiah 61. These related callings rest upon us, and we need to walk in the reality of them so that we boldly say, I am who God says I am. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.